relationships and how important they are in our lives. And we're going to talk about building relationships God's way. How many know there's the world's way? And then there, there's God's way. And, and we, live, we live in a society today where we live in a, what I call a contractual society. We live off of contracts. Uh, we live off of, of, of the world of we think somebody's going to do us wrong, so we put it in writing. And a covenant is so much more and so, so much deeper than what a, a contract is. So if you'd open with me to Deuteronomy 29, 12 through 15 this morning. The writer starts off by saying, you are standing here today to enter the covenant of the Lord your God. The Lord is making this covenant, including the curses, by entering into the covenant today, he will establish you as his people and confirm that he is your God. Just as he promised you and as he swore to you and swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you're not the only ones with whom I'm making this covenant with its curses. I am making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord our God and also with the future generations who are not standing here today. So he, he specifically uses the word covenant, God does. He, he says covenant. He says we're not entering into a contract. We're not entering into a regular agreement. We're entering into a covenant. And what he's telling them is you're going to mess up along this way. But see, I'm not just going to tear you up. I'm not just going to write you off. I'm not just going to get rid of you because what we're entering into here is just so much deeper than what you can even imagine. He said, I'm going to do for you what I've done for, your, for the generations past, for Abraham, for Isaac, for, for, for Noah. When he said, Noah, I'll put a rainbow in the sky and I guarantee you I'll never flood the whole earth again. He made a covenant with Noah. And, and so I've, he, God's saying, I've made this covenant with all your forefathers. Now, Moses, today I'm making this covenant with you and with the children of Israel. And this covenant's not just good for you. It's for everyone. It's for future generations to come and to come. Jesus came out of the covenant that God had with his children. He sent the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us. God makes this covenant. All we have to do is enter in. But that's our choice. I mean, you know, we all get choices in life. We get choices with who our friends are and who our friends aren't. We get choices with who we marry. And if that turns out bad, that was your choice. It was. It was your choice. And, and so we make these choices. But a lot of times our choices we think we made bad choices when in turn, the choice wasn't bad. The way we entered into our choice was bad. The way we entered into our choice was with stipulation. If they do this for me, I'll do that for them. If they do that for me, I'll do this for them. And so we enter into our relationships with us in mind. But a covenant is so much more. God said, I'm entering this covenant with you in mind. And I need you to enter this covenant with me in mind. See, because covenant is about the other person. It's not just about yourself. We write contracts, it becomes about us. We write contracts to protect ourselves. 
we, we put all kinds of little clauses and dates and stipulations in our contracts because contracts are made out of distrust. We live in what we call a contractual culture. You can watch reality TV and figure this out all so quickly. You do one thing wrong, you're voted off the island. You, you do something else wrong and, and, and you're gone. You don't get a rose at the ceremony. And uh, isn't it funny? These, these guys and these girls, they go around, they, they kissing everybody. I mean, they smacking on everybody in the room. And they're telling everybody in the room they like them. They're telling everybody in the room, you're the one, and I love you. And, and I watched about one season and wanted to puke and said, I'm done. Now, the girls have different opinions than I do, but I just think this is nasty. I don't want my lips where everybody else's lips have been. And, uh, and, and the deal is, you know, me and Pastor Jennifer, she's one of the first girls I ever dated. And I, I married her because I knew she was good and she was God's plan. And I loved her. And we both got married pure before God. And she's the first lady I've ever been with because I wanted, I wanted something that was pure and, and something that was holy, something that was set apart. And we don't live in that day and age anymore. We don't, we don't live in a day and age where, where relationships are, are holy and there, there's covenant involved and, and, and our friends are set apart and they're different than everybody else. And, and, and they're in it for me as much as I'm in it for them. But instead, it's like social media. It's like Facebook. You know, the minute somebody says something about the candidate you like or you don't like, you just defriend them. I mean, that's a cheap contract at best. And, and, so, and so, you know, we get mad about something they said or a picture they put up. We just click, you're gone. That's not covenant. That's not how friendship should be built. That's not how we should live our life. We're talking about living the good life today, living life to the full, living life to the way that God designed it to be lived. One of the funniest things I've seen lately on TV is the Verizon guy just bailed on Verizon with Sprint. <laughs> I mean, it was like Paul's Damascus Road experience. And uh, all of a sudden, he's wearing a yellow jacket, and, and he's talking about Sprint because his contract was up. There's not even loyalty on TV no more. And uh, his contract was up. Sprint gave him more money, and whoever could do more for me, I'm there. And that's how we live. That, that sums up how we live life today. Does it not? That's, that's how we live. We, we live based off a contractual society. The, the days of covenant ha, have been forgotten, and teenagers today probably don't even understand what the word covenant means. And actually, the real translation of covenant means to cut, to shed blood, to intermingle yourself. And... Um, and so we're going to talk about all that over the next three weeks. You know, life is better when your relationships and your life are good. I know when my kids are making all A's, life is better. When they pick up their room, life is better. If they just acknowledge me when I walk in the door and say, hi, Dad, life is better. I have one. I'm not going to mention no names. He's the tallest of them all. And... Uh, 
He's got bright red hair, and he's sitting on the front row right there. But every morning, he's going off to football, and I said, have a great day, Colby. Dad loves you. And just walks out. You know, it'd just be nice for him to say, Dad, I love you too. You know, and every every once in a while, it just makes my day. He says, I love you too. <laughs> and I, I'm happy for that. You know, it don't have to be, I love you, Dad. Give me kisses and hugs. And, you know, just love you too. That's good enough. That that makes my day. Because, you know, it just, it makes it brighter. Because, you know, I want my relationships with my kids to be good. And I want my relationships and life to be good. Just life is better when our relationships are good. In James 2.23, it says, and it just so happened, just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. I want my relationship with God to be good. I want him to call me his friend. He's my friend. He's my provider. He's my Savior. He's everything I live for. He's everything that I, I go to work for in the mornings. And, and He's everything that I, I breathe for. I love Him. And I want Him to call me friend. But so much, so many times as Christians, we, we have a contractual relationship even with God. And God, when I need something, I'm going to call on you. God, when my husband or my wife or my dog's sick, you're, you're number one. I'm going straight to you. Why shouldn't we just put him first in the day? And we just stay in covenant with him. Because it's more than just a contractual, when I need you, I pick this up. When, when I need you, I, I, I run to you. It's, it's a covenant that he has made with us. Covenant is the kind of relationship that God promotes. It's a God-defined relationship. And, and it all starts with how we define our relationships in our life. We define them, no one else. When relationships go bad in your life, a lot of it is due to the perimeters that you've set up and you define the relationships that are in your life. If you don't have friends, it's probably because you choose not to have friends. I, I'm serious because there's lots of people looking for friends in this world. And then there's lots of people wishing they had covenant friends. They long for real friends that are there when something goes wrong. They're, they're, and, and the same thing, we got to be there when our friends need to be there, when something goes wrong in their life. There's something different. And, and what we don't realize is, is our horizontals, our friends that are all out there, our horizontal affects our vertical. Because how we treat and correlate with our friends affects our relationship with God. And it works the same way. How we have a relationship with God, our vertical, uh, it, it corresponds and, and it, 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 it I can't talk today. It just dwindles out to all of our friends because of our relationship we have with Him. Because it all starts with Him. It starts with our covenant that we make with Him. It starts with our, how we treat Him, how we respond to Him. And it ends up being how we respond to everybody else because we set standards in our life as Christians. The, the Bible, Jesus even said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your body. And, and then next, the very next verse, he said, just as equally, love your friends or your neighbors as yourself. He's talking about covenant relationships here. 
loving people as yourself. Malachi puts it like this in Malachi 2, 13 through 16. He says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and you well because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask why? You ask God, God, where did you go? Why are you no longer here? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. In other words, God's saying your relationships are messed up. You say, God, where did you go? He's like, son, your relationship is messed up. Our, our vertical reflects our horizontal. It makes a difference. And, and then it goes on and it says, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord. In other words, the, the reason you need to get this right is your relationship, your relationships impact every area of you. It, it reflects godly offspring. Well, why are our why are our kids going away? Why, why are things going wrong with our children? Why, 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 why is this happening in our life or that happening in our, our life? A lot of time it, it has to do with relationships. Every area of our life has to do with relationships. You, you look at your money, your finances. You, you, look, at, you look at your job. You look at... You look at every area of your life when you go sit down at a car dealer. or, or It's all about relationships. I have a friend that's a car dealer. I get a better deal on a car because of a relationship. My money that it comes in affects my relationship with, with my kids, whether I can feed them or not. If I don't feed them, they don't, they don't like it. And, and every area of our life deals with relationships. And, and we choose how we deal with relationships and, and where we take our relationships and how we respond to our relationships. I had a, a good friend of mine in Nederland, and he called me. He said, Ryan, he said, I need you to pray with me, and I need your help. And I'm like, I'm not in Nederland no more. I'm in Angleton. He said, I know, but he, he said, God told me to call you. And he's the heavy equipment operator. His name's Kip, just a great guy. Just love, I mean, he, he loves his equipment. He's got $300,000 track hose and big bulldozers and all the big equipment. He said, me and my wife are not going to make it. He said, I'm done. He said, I want to pray with you. I said, you're done. Why are you done? I'm just done. I said, okay. I said, how's your new track hoe doing, Kip? He said, what's that have to do with my marriage? I said, just listen for a second. How's your new track hoe doing? He said, well, my new track hoe is... It's good. It broke down last week. I put it in the shop and just got it back. I said, okay, so you got this nice $300,000 track hoe. <laughs> it broke down. What would you do with it? I put it in the shop. He said, you get back. It's not fixed. What are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to put it back in the shop. I said, okay, what happens if you don't fix it that time? So I'm going to put it back in the shop. I said, what happens if you don't get it fixed that time? Well, I'm going to find a different mechanic, and then I'm going to get it fixed. So I got a lot of money invested in this track hoe. He had a covenant relationship with his, his track hoe. But he had a contractual relationship with his wife. She, she, had, she had not done everything he wanted her to do, so he was just going to throw her away. 
I said, you got this track hoe, and you, you're going to spend all this money on it, and you love it, and because your treasure is where your heart is, and, and your heart's in that track hoe. I said, when's the last time you spent some money on your wife? When's the last time you went to some counseling with her? Well, we went to a counselor one time, it didn't work. That's what you just told me. You went to a mechanic. If he didn't work, you go to another one. Uh, wh- where is your, your contract? Where's your covenant? Where's your commitment to the relationship? And so he did. I, I set him up with a godly counselor, and he went to a weekend boot camp, and he got through. He said, me and my wife looked at each other and said, we don't know what we're fighting about. Because that's how it works in life. We have to quit treating our spouses and our friends like they're a contract. And start dealing with our relationships like they're covenants. Boudreaux and Mary got, Marie got married. I had to put a Boudreaux joke in here today. I'm sorry. Boudreaux and Marie, they got married. Marie said, Boudreaux, all I want is a horse and buggy at the wedding. Boudreaux said, all right. That's good, Marie. Give me a horse and buggy, and, and he, she goes, my daddy got the horses, and I'm going to drive. She said, okay. So after the wedding, they said, I do. They, they jump in the buggy, and they're, they're going down the street, and everything's, everything's going good, and Marie's got the horses going. All of a sudden, they lock up. Marie said, go horse. Of course, thank God, she gets off the buggy. She walks around the horse. Horse, that's number one. Goes back, gets on the buggy. Horse goes. Locks up, stops again, gets off, goes up to the horse, says, horse, that's number two. She runs back, gets back in the buggy, hits the buggy again, it's going, and then it locks up again. Marie jumps out of that carriage, she runs over there, she grabs her gun, boom, she shoots that horse. Boudreaux said, Marie, Marie, what in the world you doing, girl? Now we got to walk all the way to our hotel. We ain't got no horse to ride. Are you crazy? Marie jumps out of that carriage and says, Boudreaux, that's number one. How I many of you know that marriage lasted and worked good? <laughs> he wasn't dare going to get to two or three with Marie. But we, we're so quick. We're so quick just to throw things out the window. We're, we're so quick. And. You know, it's just like I had a guy who came to me for marriage counseling one time, and he's like, he said, I'm just, I'm ready to give up on my wife on this. And, and he said, my, his wife goes, I'm ready to give up on him because of this. And the following Sunday, I see him, and how's everything going? Ah, it's good. You know, I just, I'm through, Pastor. He had right to be through. But then I, I knew his relationship with his brother. His brother was a drug head. His brother had stolen from him. His brother had done all kinds of nasty stuff to him in life. And he said, but pastor, will you pray for my brother? Because his brother was broke. See, there's something different different about blood and about, about covenant. Back, back in the old days, the Jewish priests, when they were marrying, they'd actually cut the wife and the husband's hands and they'd put them together during the marriage ceremony. So there'd be intertwining in, in the, of the blood in, in their hands. And they, they sit there and, and they, they, they do the marriage ceremony with their, their blood mixing and becoming one. There's union. The priest is like, forget the ring, give me a knife. And, uh, you know, because there's something about blood and a, and a blood covenant. There's something about your brother can mess up all he wants, but, but your wife does it or your best friend does it and you don't want to forgive them. 
how much better would our life be if we treated every relationship with not what it's in for me, what's not, what's in it for me, but what's in it for them? And we, we think about others more than we think about ourselves. Chris Hodges defines covenant as this, a solemn agreement between two parties for the purposes of creating and maintaining a successful relationship. Covenant is best defined by Jesus, what he did for us on the cross. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It's all about you. It's not about him. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. That is what covenant relationships look like. Covenant is for better or worse, till death do us part. But do we actually mean these things when we say them in our vows? Everybody's like, Pastor, I want to use these scriptures in my wedding to make my wedding look better. And instead, we should be using these scriptures in our wedding to build our marriages. Not just to make it look pretty, but to make it stand, to make it last, to make it go on. It all ties back to relationship. Covenant is based on absolute trust. Covenant says, I'm going to protect you, not harm you. I'm in it for you. The best way I can describe covenant just about is David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan are, are, are best friends. And David is promised the kingdom, but yet Saul hates David at this point of David's life. And he, he's looking for David to kill him. But Jonathan and David have a covenant relationship. Though no matter what's going on, they're still in it for each other. No matter what his dad's wanting to do to David, they're, they're still in it for each other. And, and, and David has a covenant with Jonathan, and Jonathan has a covenant with David. And, and though things are bad and his own father could even kill him, Jonathan says, David, I'll stand with you no matter what. No matter what happens, I'm here with you. No matter what my dad says, I'm here with you. Because they have this covenant relationship that impacts their lives. And so Saul's looking for David, and he's chasing him down, and David doesn't know where to go, and he runs into the priest. And he doesn't even have a weapon on him. Saul's looking to kill him. And in 1 Samuel 21, 8 through 9, we read it, and he said, David asked Amimelech, do you have a spear or a sword? The king's business was so urgent that he didn't have time to grab a weapon. He's, he's kind of fibbing to Amalek here. He's, he's like, I don't have a weapon. The king's really looking. The king's business is so important. I, don't, I didn't have time to grab one. Yeah, the king's business is so important. He wants to kill David. That's why he didn't have time to grab one. And he said, the priest says this, I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine who you killed in the Valley of Elah. The priest replied, it's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Now, the ephod was a garment that the priest would wear. So in other words, uh, he, says, he said, in this cloth, it's wrapped up. He said, in this, in this cloth is wrapped up this, this, this only weapon that we have here, David. And he said, uh, it happens to be the sword that you killed Goliath with. And he says, it's in the closet. And David, David makes this statement, and I love it. Priest tells him, take it. It's there if you want it. And David says this, there's nothing like it. There's, there's nothing else like it, David replied. He said, give it to me. I don't think David was really talking about the sword. He said, there's nothing like it. 
You know, sometimes we, we wonder, why are things going bad? I, I'm supposed to be king already, and this guy's chasing me and wanting to kill me instead of handing this thing over to me and giving it to me like God has promised me. David says there's nothing like it because there's nothing like knowing that you have a covenant with God and that he's with you no matter what goes on in your life, that you have a covenant with God and that no matter what, he's there. And he's done it for you once. He can do it for you again. There's nothing like going to the closet of your memory banks and pulling out the time did that God did that for you. There's nothing like, well, I'm having a bad week this, this morning, and I'm having a bad, a bad day so far, and, and not, everything's gone wrong, and you just don't understand, Pastor, what's going on today. I tell you, go to the closet behind the ephod. Your greatest victory is still there, and God will still do it for you again. He didn't bring David out to Goliath just to kill Goliath and never give him another victory. He made a covenant with David. He's made a covenant with each one of you. That he wants you to live life to the full. He wants you to have what you say you can have. He wants you to do what you say you can do. He wants you to have all these great things in life. And just because things are going wrong doesn't mean that the promise is not still there. Jesus made a covenant with each one of us. In Luke twenty two twenty, it says, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant. This is Jesus speaking. He says, In my blood, which is poured out for you. There's something about in the blood, in the covenant relationship, the new covenant of what he did. He's saying, I'm ready to go to this kind of relationship with everyone here at the table. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, I'm ready to go. He said, in my blood. He said, I'm ready to go this kind of relationship for you. He said, I'm ready to go this kind of relationship for you. In my blood. The same covenant that was for Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, and for, for Moses. And he, when God said for future generations, he said, I already got you covered. He said, my son's going to come, and he's going to sit at a table, and he's going to say, in my blood, I'm going to establish a new covenant, a covenant where sacrifices will no longer need to be made because I'm going to pay the ultimate sacrifice just for you and for your family. He said, I'm ready to go that kind of relationship for you. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Contract says, you mess me over. And there's a price you got to pay. Not covenant. Covenant says, you mess me over, I'm going to love you anyway. That's what covenant says. Covenant says, you do something wrong to me, it's okay. I'm still here. It's what Jesus did for us. No matter how bad we mess up, no matter what goes wrong, uh, covenant says, I am still here for you. Covenant says, I am willing to be unhappy while we work it out. It says the person is more important than the issue, is what covenant says. Contract says it doesn't matter about the person. It's about the issues and will you fulfill me and my needs and what I need. It's how you put the sticks together on my house. 
He said, that better be straight. That's what a contract says. A covenant says it doesn't matter because you're more important than your contract. You're more important than any piece of paper we can sign. That's what covenant is. Covenant says I'm right, but you're more important than any issue or discussion or disagreement. Contract is based on me mutual respect. We sign all the little details because we expect to be messed over. That's what a contract is. We go into friendships that way. We go into friendships expecting our friends to break our trust and to mess us over because somebody else did it. So we put up these guards. Covenant says, I don't put up guards. I don't build walls in my relationships. I'm open to be hurt because you're more important. That's what covenant's all about. Covenant is so different than what a contract is. You know what the greatest relationship in the world is? Two servants that love each other. That's what, that's what the greatest relationship. You know what the most awful relationship in the world is? Two masters in love wanting to be served by each other. That's the worst relationship. Contract says I'm only in it as long as you are. Covenant says, I'm in it forever. I'm in it for the long haul. It, it's never going to be a problem because I'm, I'm with you. That's what covenant says. Contract says, I'm only in it as long as you are. It's really basically a lease. That's what a contract is. That's how we, that's how we treat our relationships in life. It's just like a prenup. A prenup says, look, guys, uh, I got this amount of money. If this doesn't work out, I'm not taking care of you no more. It's all about protecting you. That's what a contract is. Covenant says, take everything I got. I'll still pay for you. I'll still bless you. And I'll still love you. That's what a relationship is. Somebody asked her grandma one time, how did you make it 50 years in marriage? She replied, before I got married, I knew what all his faults were. And I went and forgave him for all of them before he said I do. That's what a covenant is. Covenants forgiving people before they ever do you wrong. That's what makes a great marriage. That's what makes a great friendship. That's what makes a great relationship. Is knowing no matter what that person does to you, you're still in it for them. Because they're more important than you are. And to them, you're more important than they are. Contract has personal convenience in mind. Covenant has the interest of others in mind. Covenant life is better than a contractual life any day of the week. Covenant's about better relationships. I want to ask you a question today. Have you been hurt by relationships? Have you been hurt by friendships, by family, or by maybe an ex-wife or an ex-husband? It's okay. We've all been hurt by somebody. But the beautiful thing is when you start living in covenant, when you start living relationships God's way, you can do some great things in it and lead a great life. In Psalms 106, 44 through 45, messenger says, Still, when God saw the trouble they were in and heard their cries for help, he remembered his covenant with them. An immense pity love 
think about that. And yet God loves us. So he's crying out for help. And God, immense with love, took them by the hand. He poured out his mercy on them. And while their captors looked on amazed. That's what God wants us to see. The people who have hurt you, the people who have done wrong in your life, God wants them to look on with amazement as he grabs you by the hand with immense love and he takes you into a better place with him. God wants a covenant with you. He wants to walk in this kind of a relationship with you. And like we said earlier in the message today, all you have to do is walk into this covenant, walk into this relationship. The good life and covenant begins with healing. You have to get healed from the old relationship before you're able to walk in the new one. It's hard to walk into a relationship with somebody else's family. I know people who get divorced and never get remarried because they can never get over the wounds that were done in their life. It's too painful for them. Philippians 2.4 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You might say, well, pastor, you're asking me to do stuff I can't do. You can't forgive them. You don't understand what they did to me. Well, I'm telling you right now, it's very simple. All you have to do is let go, and God will take over. But you have to be willing to let go. You have to be willing to to give a person a second chance. You have to be willing to say, you know what? We had a contractual relationship, and today I want it to become a covenant. I'm going to put your interest above my interest. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us, he wants to take the spiritual part of covenant. When you receive covenant love from God, a miracle t- takes place in your life. The deal is, 1 John 4:19 says, we love because he first loved us. You can't have love unless you've received love in your life. You say, well, pastor, I can't do this. I can't, I can't forgive them. Well, a lot of times we have problems with forgiveness in our life because we've never been forgiven. We've never been shown love. But Jesus set the ultimate example for forgiveness and for love in our life. And he's just waiting for us to say, you know what? I received that forgiveness, Jesus. I received that. I walk into the covenant of the cross that you made for me. I walk into this covenant, and I say, I do. That's what he's waiting for. And the minute you receive forgiveness, it makes it where you can give forgiveness, where you can let go of those things that's happened in your life, where you can let go. You want to know why people in the world can't ever get a marriage right? It's because they've never been forgiven themselves. They don't know how to forgive anybody. One of the most beautiful things that comes out of the story of, uh, of Saul and David. David had a chance to kill Saul, and he doesn't do it. Instead, he brings him a piece of his cloak from the cave, and he says, Saul, I had a chance to kill you, but I didn't do it. Because you mean more to me than that. I'm sorry. Even though David done nothing wrong, I'm sorry for what I've done to you. I'm sorry if I've offended you. David sets a standard. 
the story goes on, David becomes king, and Saul and Saul and Jonathan are out in a battle, and they're both killed. And Jonathan has this son, this precious son named Mephibosheth. And the nurse is running through the house of Mephibosheth and drops him. And he becomes lame with both his feet. His dad dies. His grandfather dies. All the inheritance, everything that he was guaranteed in life, his place at the, at the king's table that was guaranteed, it's all gone. And he's sitting in hiding. And David comes up to one of the priests. And I want to read it to you today. He comes up. And he asks, he says, is there any, any in Saul's house that are still alive? Are there any in Saul's house and in Jonathan's house that, that are still okay? And they said, yeah, there's this, there's this guy named Mephibosheth. And David said, bring him to me. And as he comes in, David says, don't be afraid. I tend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. He said, in fact... He said, me and Jonathan had a covenant. Me and Jonathan were more than just a contractual relationship. Me and, me and Jonathan went way past that. We were more than friends. We became brothers. And, and because of that, and because of my promise to your daddy, my promise to your father, I'm going to give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you're going to eat here right at the king's table, right where you belong. Because I had a covenant with your daddy. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? See, Mephibosheth saw himself as just a lame dead dog that didn't deserve anything. But his dad had made a covenant. His dad had made a relationship that would carry him all the way to his heirship, right to the king's table, right to total restoration, right to total, total, total feast made. Sitting at the king's table, chef prepared for me, inheritance. Once a poor pauper just sitting and hiding, because he was afraid that David was going to be like all the other kings that he knew. And all the other kings would have killed all the heirs to the throne so that only they could stand there, so that only they would be important, so that only they would be seen. But not David, because David knew about a covenant relationship with his God. His vertical was good because his horizontal was good. His horizontal was good so his vertical was good. And he said, I honor my relationship. I honor the covenant I have with your daddy. I restore everything back to you. And we have to realize we're just like that. Life has gone wrong. Things have gone wrong. Everything in our life may look like shambles. But God says, I'm ready to restore you. I'm ready to put you at the table where you belong. I'm ready for you to believe in yourself again because you're the king's son. I paid a price and gave a covenant for future generations that were you and you and you 
All you have to do is walk into the blessing. Don't be afraid like Mephibosheth was. We're about to give an altar call. Let's stand and close our eyes. No looking around. This is private. But today, maybe, maybe everything in your life has gone wrong. Maybe thing, everything has is not gone right. And you just said, you said, I'm ready to give up, Pastor. Don't give up. God's here waiting for you. He's just ready for you to walk into the covenant that he's made for you. This isn't a contract. He's going to love you whether you mess up tomorrow again or not. It's as simple as this. He says, if we'll admit we're sinners and we'll believe that he died on that cross for us and we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to save us. He's faithful and just to bring us out of where we are. We just have to ask. Today, if that's you, just raise your hand up with me today. If you need to enter into a covenant with God, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you've been in a contractual relationship with God. Maybe you've been just been into it for the side for you, and you say, God, I repent. I want to be in it for you. If that's you. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask everybody here to pray with me today. Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I've done wrong. I haven't done everything right. But I want to step into this covenant with you. I believe that you died on that cross for me. I believe that in your blood is a new covenant that I can walk into because of your sacrifice. Now today, I confess you my Lord and Savior. And because your word says, everyone that calls on your name shall be saved. I walk into a new relationship with you today. Our prayer partners are coming. If you need prayer today, our prayer partners would love to pray for you. If not, I'm going to bless you and you'll be dismissed. Father, we bless them in this city. May your face shine down upon them, Father. May they have favor everywhere that they go, Father. Let everyone they touch feel your presence this week, Father. Guide them to people that need to know you. Let them invite them into your house this week, Father, so they can find you in a new and a fresh way. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, and your mercy. And let us walk in covenant with you this week, Father, and walk with covenant with others.